so then I took another one and another one and another one. And, uh, seven tests later, all positive. I just sat on the floor of the bathroom, just like in complete shock um, at the realization that, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh, I have a four month old. Oh my gosh. And it was just like everything hit all at once. Hey ladies, you're listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast, where I interview some of the most amazing women from those sharing knowledge related to labor, breastfeeding, and postpartum issues to everyday moms sharing stories of struggle, triumph, and the unexpected. These women are sure to give you honest conversations to help accomplish one key issue, getting rid of mom shaming. So if you want a judgment-free, open conversation, Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. This is Mom Talks with Krista. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Krista, and we are at Mom Talks with Krista here today. I'm so excited. We have a very special guest. We have Monse here, and she's going to talk all about her adoption process and also into inducing lactation and breastfeeding to small children at the same time. And I just... We actually connected over um, Instagram story talking about inducing lactation and so many people had questions about it and she reached out and said she was able to do it. So we kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit more. And so thank you for coming on the show. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm excited to share the journey with everyone. Yeah, awesome. So let's just, to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about you and then we'll kind of go from there? Yeah, my husband Kyle and I have been married Six years next week. Uh, we have two small children, uh, two dogs, and we're going on our seventh home in the past six years. So we're hoping that now we are settled where we're at. Uh, we're hoping that this next year of marriage, we don't have any moves, we don't have any big life changes again because it's been quite the roller coaster. Oh wow! Yeah, I can only imagine. That sounds like a lot, a lot of moving. Oh yeah. Awesome. So. You have this awesome story about your two children. And first you kind of talk about an unexplained uh, fertility, like unexplained fertility issues and trying to conceive. And then you end up going through an adoption process. So can you talk a little bit more about this journey and kind of what brought you to where you are today? Before my husband and I got married, we had had a lot of conversations about what our family, what we hoped our family would look like. And um, we were pretty set on having a family fairly quickly and having a big family. And we had talked about wanting to have biological children, wanting to do adoption. We played around with the idea of foster care and, and really were just really open with each other about the fact that uh, we wanted to have lots of kids and we didn't really care how they came to be uh, in our lives. We just wanted to be parents. Um, and so that was kind of Going into our marriage, we knew we want to be parents. Um, and we just kind of anticipated that that would look a little different than it ended up looking. We thought we would have some biological children. And then when they got a little bit older, that as a family, we would do the adoption process or we would start foster care. And that's just not how it worked out. Um, we ended up, after we got married, we waited until about six months in to start trying to conceive. Um, and it was just pretty slow roll. We, we just assumed it was really just life stresses, new marriage, and we had a couple of deaths in the family and moving. And so we just thought no big deal. It's just 
life, like stress happens. And so that was about six months since about February of 16. And then it wasn't until October of 17 um, that we decided, okay, we, we should probably go get checked out and tested. It's been about a year and a half. Um, I'm pretty consistently tracking and uh, trying and, and nothing. Um, so we were tested in October of 17 and everything came back perfect. Um, they did a couple different procedures and um, to try and help things out and, and nothing really worked. And our doctor finally sat us down and just said that basically you have unexplained infertility. You know, there's a lot of reasons that we label a couple infertile, male pattern infertility, female infertility. And sometimes it's both. Um, but in your case, everything is perfect and it's just not happening. Um, and so in the medical community, they call it unexplained infertility. And there wasn't really anything they could do about it. And so I remember sitting with Kyle and just saying, like, I just wish that something were physically wrong because then I would at least have closure and I would at least know, okay, this is it. And there's nothing I can do about it and move on with my life. Um, but the fact that it was unexplained made it feel so lofty and just like, maybe it can still happen. And, you know, maybe it's something that I'm doing wrong. And I really ended up putting so much blame on myself and carrying that uh, for so long. And we decided to start fertility treatments. So we did that in January of 18. And we're really consistent about it for a year. And I hated every second of fertility treatments. I didn't feel like myself. My body was just not responding well uh, to hormones and to all the medications. And, um, we started special diets and uh, special exercise regimens and you know, all these things that we just flipped our life upside down um, to try all these treatments. And I just felt awful. And realized that we weren't even enjoying our marriage anymore because we were so focused on this fertility um, and trying to figure out how to get it to happen. And so um, in February of 19, we just said, you know what, we're done. Um, we're done with all treatments. We're done with tracking. We're done with all of this. Um, and I remember sitting with my husband and pulling out my notebook that I had all these little ovulation test strips taped into for every day. And I threw it away and I said, I will never again take an ovulation test. I will never again take a pregnancy test. I'm done with this. Like I just, I emotionally cannot handle doing this. It wasn't even month after month. It was week after week because I just constantly was checking the pregnancy test and the ovulation and uh, you know, every day getting up and my whole day was scheduled around fertility medication, the tests, the, you know, making sure I did everything that I was supposed to do exactly at the time that I was supposed to do it. And so we just decided this is, we're done with this. It was about a month later that we just didn't talk about, we didn't talk about kids for that whole month. We just stopped everything. And that next month we said, okay, well, let's, let's start just looking into adoption we said we wanted to adopt um maybe that's just how we start our family instead of how we end our family um so we spent the next six months we're just diving into as many podcasts and books and websites and videos that we could about adoption we wanted to be informed we wanted to not just go into it and say oh we'll figure it out along the way we knew that we owed we owed our child 
the research and the knowledge that comes with going through that um, so that we could be the very best parents that we could. Um, and so we did that for about six months and then decided, okay, this is this is something that we're going to go ahead and start now. We're going to pursue it. Um, so in August, we started the process. We selected an agency um, consultant firm to sign on with and started the process fully in October with all the paperwork and everything. Went live in February. And I can talk a little bit more about the actual process um, in a little bit. But went live in February. We were chosen in April by an expectant mom. Um, and then our son was born two weeks later, uh, mid-April. And he was the greatest thing that ever happened to us. Um, he and, and his birth mom were just incredible. And we were over the moon to have our son home and our son in our life and our, our families were just overjoyed. He was the first grandson on both sides. And oh, it, it was just this incredible mountaintop to, to having our son with us. And then a few months later, I had this feeling and it was a feeling that I had every single month of fertility treatments where I was like, oh, I know I'm pregnant. And then I would take the test and it, I wouldn't. And then I would beat myself up and be so angry. But I just felt, I was like, I think I'm pregnant. I think I'm pregnant. And I kept talking myself out of it. Like, no, you're not. Stop. Like, you you don't have to keep doing this. You don't have to keep testing. And, and I just, it wouldn't go away, the nagging in my mind. And so it was actually my birthday when I took the pregnancy test and I had vowed that I wasn't going to do that but there I was in the bathroom taking his test and when I saw the second line pop up I I just bawled I mean it was it was like I had never seen that second line before and I had waited so long to see it and so then I took another one and another one and another one and uh, seven tests later all positive I just sat on the floor of the bathroom just like in complete shock um, at the realization that, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh, I have a four-month-old. Oh my gosh. And it was just like everything hit all at once, the realization that I, I am a mom to this perfect little boy. And now I have this other baby that's growing inside of me. And how am I going to do it? And, and, you know, as moms, we beat ourselves up so bad and we're our worst enemies uh, because I, I went from this super high of just excitement and joy to suddenly all this fear and anxiety and doubting myself as a mom, uh, doubting myself as a, as a woman. I started thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to carry this pregnancy to term. Like, surely if it was this hard to get pregnant, like, there's no way that this baby is going to be healthy. There's no way this baby is going to be full term or there's going to be all these complications and just start, you know, plaguing my mind with all these negative thoughts. And and so after, like, being in the bathroom for a half hour, going through all of these emotions and everything, I realized, okay, everyone's going to start wondering where I am. I better get out, out here and pose myself. My family was visiting at the time and I didn't want to tell my husband with my family there because I, I had wanted that moment with him for so long that I just, I wanted to wait until we were alone. It was the weirdest birthday because it was the greatest thing that had ever happened. And then also 
having to keep it to myself and uh, I'm like all over the place emotionally and mentally and uh, my family left the next day and I had thought oh I'm gonna do this really cute thing with our son and have him have a big brother shirt on or something and I I couldn't even wait the five minutes that it would have taken me to go find something to do I as soon as I left I I came downstairs and I told my husband and he just started crying and uh, it was, it was just so sweet. And um, here we are a year later and we have our two, our two perfect kids and we're so, so, so in love with them. Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool that when you went like to your first like doctor appointment, like I mean, were they, were they as shocked as you were that this happened when you, you know, when they said you had this unexplained infertility or was it kind of just like, you know, like this can happen or what would, what did they say? We had obviously gotten pretty close with our doctor uh, and his nurse just because we were constantly in there. And um, so they knew who we were and they knew our story. Um, They had seen us through the entire adoption process as well, because with inducing lactation, uh, they were supporting us in that. Mm. And so I was going in um, to see them regularly for that. Um, And so I, I remember going in and he just looked at me and and laughed and, and just said, we were just so happy for you. Um, It wasn't like this shock, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like we knew it and it wasn't disbelief either it was just um it was awesome to see that they were in our corner too they were they were hoping for it and so excited for us and you know we it was all in the middle of COVID obviously and, uh, so no no husbands are allowed back into the ultrasound room and uh, they ended up sneaking my husband in through the like custodial entrance uh to be able to be in the room when we got to see um, our daughter for the first time. And they were just so supportive of, of that whole process. for us. That's amazing. So we'll go back a little bit. Cause I know one of the big questions and one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on too, is about inducing lactation for your son. It's a thing that um, I think a lot of people don't know is possible or when they do hear it, they're like, wait, what, how? And we had someone on the show, I think when I started maybe two and a half years ago and she kind of talked about it. But when we kind of did our story last Friday, so many people were interested, so many people were messaging, asking about it. So I'd love to hear kind of what you did and the process it took and yeah, just a little bit more about how you did everything. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in those like six months of research that I did for the adoption, that was the first time I ever heard about inducing lactation for adoption. Um, and I'm a researcher by, na- by nature. So I did a deep dive into this and the history of, of wet nurses and you know how adoptive breastfeeding really came about was from that basis of wet nursing, being able to uh, nurse a child that's not biologically yours. And, and I sat and I thought for a while about what that would look like for my body and what that would look like for my mental health and um, and then what that would look like for our family and our child. I did a big dive into adoptee voices. Um, so in adoption, there's what's called the adoption triads, the adoptive parents, the biological parents, and then the adoptee. And really for ethical and healthy adoptions, uh, you really have to listen to the voice of adoptees. Um, They're the ones that are most affected by the decision 
and uh, we wanted to consider how do adult adoptees feel about this issue of adoptive breastfeeding? How do adult adoptees feel about X, Y, and Z? We, I mean, we went through the adult adoptee voice for every decision that we made within the adoption process um, because we wanted to make sure that we weren't just doing whatever we thought was best for us, but what we thought would be best for our child. And so in learning about adoptive breastfeeding, I I told my husband, I think I want to try and do this, um, but there's two, two really popular ways to do it. One is with a lot of uh, hormone treatment and medication and supplements. And the other one is a little bit harder, um, but doesn't use hormones or medication. It's just supplements and pumping. And I told him, I want to try that. I I don't want to do anything else with hormone treatments. I don't want to do anything else with medication. Um, I just want to try with supplements and see if my body will respond to this. I know, I've known since I was a little girl that I, I was going to be a mom. Like that is something that I always wanted. Um, and I said, and my, and my body doesn't want to respond to that with pregnancy, but maybe my body will respond with uh, lactation if I encourage it enough to do so. And so I made an appointment with my doctor. We had talked about how we had stopped the fertility treatments with him, obviously. And I told him that this is what I wanted to do, that I wanted to try and induce lactation, that we were thinking about adoption and what he recommended. And I brought him all my research and he laughed at me, not meanly, just laughed at me because he knows that's exactly how I am. And so I brought him all my research. This is what I want to try and do. Will you support me in this? Um, and and he looked at me and he said, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll walk along this with you. And uh, whatever support you need, uh, we'll provide. And so that's how I actually found Mommy Knows Best was by getting supplements because uh, he told me all the supplements that he wanted me to get. And uh, most of them were ones that I could find on Mommy Knows Best. And um, so that's how I found you. So I started taking uh, Blessed Thistle, Goat's Brew, Fennel, Fenugreek, Brewer's Yeast, and then um, Shavatari. And I was taking that twice a day, um, all of those, twice a day, and pumping every two hours around the clock. And this was before officially starting the adoption process. He had told us that it could take months to be able to induce lactation. And that with the adoption process, you don't know if it's going to happen in a couple months or if it's going to take a couple years. Some couples the day they go live, get chosen. And it's that quick. Some couples wait two years, wait three years, wait four years. And so um, he just kind of said, you can start whenever you want, but just be aware that this is going to be a really emotionally taxing thing for you. If you end up waiting a really long time and you're lactating without a baby, you're going to go through the whole experience of, of loss. If that's the case, you know, you're, you're going to constantly be reminded that there's no baby there every time that you pump and every time that uh, you lactate and you're just going to have to emotionally be ready for that. And he set me up with a support group to talk through emotions in case I needed it and and all that. And really just got to work. So I I rented a hospital grade pump for the first couple of months and got a couple of handheld pumps from Amazon, got some manual pumps was able to order one through my insurance. I mean, I tried 
probably a half dozen different pumps was really consistent about it. Uh, my friends would tease me when we'd go out, you know, we'd go out for drinks or we'd go out for dinner and here I am carrying my pump with me and sneaking off to the bathroom to go pump, to pump nothing really. At this point, I wasn't producing anything. It was just pumping and putting it away, pumping and putting it away. And it was just teaching my body um, to react to uh, the suckle, react to the letdown, react to you know the pump. I was able to talk to work about needing to pump um, and kind of look into a lot of the legalities behind pumping while not having a child um, and what the law states. And thankfully, my work looked at it as me being a lactating mother, um, despite there not being a child, because we had started the adoption process. Um, and, and so that was super helpful. We were able to get a private room that I could go to um, and pump during the work day. And I just continued to do that. And when we officially went live and I started the process, Kyla and I had talked about what if the birth mother is not okay with it um, because that can happen. And while she doesn't get a say legally in what we do with, with the child, once the child has been placed legally with us, ethically, she does have a voice and we wanted to make sure that we were honoring her. Um, so we, we knew that we didn't want to keep it from her. Uh, we knew that we wanted to run that by her and, and just see what did, what do you think about this? This is something that I, I really want to do, but I want to make sure that I'm honoring you in this. And and so we talked about, well, if that, if that happens, then I'm okay with weaning off of all of this and, and stopping the process and letting that dream die because it wasn't worth losing her honor, losing her respect, um, or having to one day tell our child that we went against his birth mother's wishes mm-hmm. for something that uh, we didn't have that was something that we knew in the back of our minds and thankfully once i started producing um very little at first it was like saving a milliliter at a time of milk and tiny syringes and freezing these you know hundreds of tiny syringes with a milliliter in them and um just really believing in myself at that point once i started producing even though it was so little and you know as as I continue breastfeeding now, like sometimes when my haka has a milliliter, I'm like, I'm not saving that. And it's so weird to think back to that time where it was like a milliliter, I have to save this. Like this is going to nurture this child. And it was, it was just so encouraging to see progress as you went. And then a milliliter turned into three, turned into five, turned into 10. And um, suddenly I was producing an ounce and it was just so exciting for one it was the first time in years that my body was doing what I wanted it to do uh, that my body was reacting how it should react and it was life-giving to know that I'm not broken to know that this this works and eventually once we once we did get matched and uh, talked to our son's uh, birth mom about it she was so excited about it um, I remember being so nervous on the phone with her thinking, oh, no, I have to bring this up. And I'm so nervous that she's going to be totally against it. Even though I'd already come to terms with it in my mind that I would stop, it was still so nerve wracking. 
is the most important person in my life right now. And she's, I, I just want to make sure that she is happy with me um, in every decision that I make. And I remember telling her like, Hey, so, and just kind of twirling my thumbs and being so nervous. And she, she just said, you sound really nervous. And I said, I, I am, I am. I just want to talk to you about um, breastfeeding. And I don't know if you know this or not, um, but it is, it's possible to induce lactation and for adoptive moms to breastfeed. And I I've been inducing for a, a little while now, and I didn't want to tell her I've been inducing for a year and a half. Um, <laughs> Because I didn't want to pressure the right. decision. So I just said, I've been inducing for a little while now. Uh, and I would love the opportunity to breastfeed him when he's born, if you're okay with that. And she, I mean, it was like her voice just changed octaves. She was like, oh my gosh, that is just amazing. This is incredible. Yes, 100% yes. Um, I, I think... I think that breastfeeding him is what's going to be best for him. And that's so cool that you could do that. That's, that's just amazing. And we just kind of left it at that. And so I knew that, you know, whenever we'd left the, the hospital, um, that I would be able to breastfeed him, but I wasn't sure about the actual hospital stay. Um, you know, those two days where legally he wasn't mine, um, He's, he's hers and and he still is hers in in every sense. He's, you know, that's his birth mother. Just legally, he's, he's mine now too. But those two days, and I I wasn't sure how that was going to work. If the hospital was going to allow me to breastfeed because legally I'm not his mother and you know what that was going to look like. And so we just kind of said, whatever happens, happens. I'm not against formula. Like I'm not against whatever Whatever he needs is what we're going to try and provide for him. With the entire process, everything got kind of flipped upside down because this is April of 2020 and COVID was new and everyone was terrified and no one knew what it was actually going to look like. Uh, And so all these hospitals were closed to all these people. And so suddenly uh, they told us we weren't going to be able to be there for the birth anymore and that we weren't going to be able to um, see him when he was born, that we were going to have to wait until uh, he got released from the hospital at hopefully two days old. And um, so just kind of coming to terms with that. But then the day came that he was born and we suddenly get a phone call from the hospital that says, your room is waiting for you. You better get here as soon as you can. Uh, your son is here. And so we get over there within like five minutes. We had traveled down to uh, his birth state a week early. And we were just sitting at this Airbnb across from the hospital waiting to hear something. And and we get up to the hospital and we're thinking because of COVID and everything that they're told us that they're going to let us see him through the nursery glass. Mm. Um, but we weren't going to be able to actually go into the unit or anything. And, and when we get there, um, they had this room ready for us and they sit us down and they have this lactation consultant come in and she tells me, uh, they're going to bring your son in in a moment and he hasn't eaten yet. Um, his birth mom wants you to be the first to feed him. And I just fall. I, I, I mean, it was this moment of realizing that she supported that decision so much that she wrote it into her birth plan so that we would have that opportunity and that we would have that, that moment. And, you know, they, they wheeled him in for the first time. And uh, one of the nurses had the wherewithal to take my phone and record, you know, us meeting him for the first time. And um, 
latching for the first time and he latched immediately and just went to town and it was the most magical experience um you know all of it it was all these emotions all at once because here he is finally after all these years and also i'm breastfeeding and it feels so real in this moment um, you know i can't have imagined feeling any more like his mother in that moment um, than i did and to know that his birth mom was supporting that decision. Um, you know, and he he was chosen for us. That we were chosen for him by her. You know, she met us and said, "You you two are the people that I want to parent my child and um, to raise him." And and that she supported every decision that we made. And um, it was just wonderful. And and being able to do that. And unfortunately, it wasn't sustainable. Um, I I only ever got to that one ounce mark. Um, and so we started supplementing with donor breast milk and um, a lactate system. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the lactate system. It's wonderful. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Even for adoptive moms who want to breastfeed and can't induce, the lactate is wonderful. It's basically this little baggie that you fill with donor milk or you fill with formula. And it has a tiny hose that you attach to your nipple. And when baby latches, they have to suckle in order for the milk to flow. Um, it, it doesn't just free flow. Um, they have to actually do the action. And so uh, it helps your breast react still um, and continue to produce. But they're also still getting the nutrients that they need from the milk in the bag. And um, so we were able to, to do that and supplement with donor milk. And um, it was just it was just amazing. So cool. That I love that. Just like that moment of you being able to breastfeed your son, you know, right away is just, I bet that's one of those memories that you'll just, you'll remember every detail, everything going on. Cause it's just so such a cool moment. This podcast is sponsored by mommy knows best. Are you looking for a lactation cookie? That's not only effective, but tastes good. Mommy Knows Best offers an assortment of lactation cookies, brownies, and our newest ready to eat lactation cookies. Perfect for on the go moms. We offer six different flavors, including a dairy and gluten-free option. And let me tell you guys, you would not even know it's dairy and gluten-free unless someone told you. It's, it's so good. Mommy Knows Best empowers all moms with the tools and resources necessary to give your newborn the best start in life. With an assortment of lactation treats and supplements that contain all natural herbal remedies traditionally and effectively used for generations to treat low milk supply. Whether you're a new mom or a pro, Mommy Knows Best gives you plenty of options, all of which are created with the health and safety of both baby and mom in mind. Right now, Mommy Knows Best is offering 20% off when you use the code MOMTALKS at mommyknowsbest.com. That's M-O-M-T-A-L-K-S for 20% off. So you were working at that for, you said about a year and a half. And was that, was a year and a half mark kind of when you started getting that ounce or was that when you first started getting a little bit of milk probably about 10 months in that I started getting the droplets okay and what was that and like for you like seeing that first time like oh it's it's working it was so odd because it was different than what I expected um completely so when you're inducing the first the first drops aren't really liquid it it it's this like creamy almost looks like colostrum, but it's not because it physically cannot be colostrum without um, pregnancy. But it was just this, this creamy substance. And I remember thinking like, oh no, something's wrong. Like 
Mm. And I, I called my doctor and he goes, nope, that's just your, your milk ducts like activating. They're, they're pushing out like wow. everything they can before being able to release milk. And then, you know, you'd move the pump and there would be a, a huge drop of white milk. They're like, this is milk. This is, this is my body doing this. It's amazing. And, and it just was incredible. I mean, to, to see it and see your hard work pay off and to know that people probably think you're crazy. There was very few people that knew that I was um, inducing one because it was really personal and two, cause it's, it's really emotional to have to like try and talk through like why I'm doing this. So it was just a couple of close friends that knew. And then my boss at work knew because she was accommodating and our families knew that we were trying to as well, but that was really it. And so to have our support of our doctor and, and to be able to ask him questions and uh, share our progress. And he had actually never had somebody actually induced before. So it was all new to him, uh, but he just followed all the research um, that I provided and obviously did research of his own uh, to help support me. Um, but it was just amazing to finally see it like it's working. And, and I can't give life to a child but I can sustain life to a child mm -hmm. thanks to this, you know, yeah. and, and it was amazing. I mean, really, I know I keep saying amazing, but it, it just was it, just to see again, my body do what it should do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And it sounds like you were also surrounded by so many supportive people, your doctor, your boss, your close friends, your husband. And so it just shows just how I think support it. You need that support too in those times. Cause I think it can be so discouraging, you know, to do it that long and not see anything, but knowing that you have the support and you're done, you're, you've done your research. Um, so that's really commendable that you, that you did all that. Yeah. And we actually went through the first uh, four years of that infertility and all the fertility treatments without telling a soul. We kept it to ourselves completely, just my husband and I. And that was so emotionally draining. The day that we decided we need to reach out to people, we need to be supported, we need to be lifted up by other people. We can't do it on our own anymore. It was so freeing. And we remember reaching out to, you know, close friends and family and just telling them like, Hey, this is what we've been struggling with for the last four years. And, um, I know you didn't know this and you'd never realized that what you were asking us was really hurtful to us. And, um, you know, but we, we were being selfish and not sharing it with anyone because I, I guess it was just this idea that if we don't share it, then there's no pain, like there, you know, or pity. But really what was happening is every time we talked to our parents, they would ask us like, when are we going to be grandparents? And we would jokingly like shrug it off like, oh, eventually, like we're not ready for it. And meanwhile, we're killing ourselves with, you know, all these hormones and, and fertility treatments and dying inside every time someone asks us about it. But we weren't sharing that with anyone. And so when we finally did, it was, you know, I remember all of our parents crying and just saying like, we're so sorry that we ever said anything that was hurtful. And us crying back and be like, well, we're so sorry that we kept this from you and, you know, didn't let you be a part of this. And so really like support is so important. 
Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to say, I can do this by myself. I can do this by myself. Um, but it's so freeing to realize I can do this by myself, but it's so much easier and better. And when you get to share the struggles with somebody and they feel the pain with you, that also means they get to feel the joy with you. And and the depth of celebration is just so much sweeter when things go the way you want them to go, uh, when someone's walked through pain with you. Um, and so sharing that with, with our friends and family finally and getting that support really just turned everything around for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the way you put that about the depths of your ce- celebration being so much deeper when you have that support around you that kind of know the struggles you've been through and then they can kind of feel the celebration at the end with you and, and enjoy that. So that's, that's amazing. That's amazing that you were able to do that. So I know, I mean, for the moms listening, I mean, this is gotta be, you know, super encouraging just cause I mean, like I was saying, like the response we got from that story of sort of moms not realizing they could induce lactation and then just being so curious, wanting to share with family and friends that are in similar situations for moms listening. What, what advice would you have? I always like to end these with fun thinking questions as I like to call them. So if you could have a billboard made today where you could share one tip with moms everywhere, what would you have it say? It's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It, so many people told me that through uh, the adoption process, throughout pregnancy, um, after having my daughter uh, May, and it's so easy to be like, "I know it's okay," and then still not ask for help. Um, but really, truly, you know, when we look back at parenting for years and years and years and years, nobody was ever made to do it alone. Nobody was ever made to walk through any of it alone. And for some reason, we as moms are so stubborn and want to do it ourselves and be independent and and take charge. And that's all fine to take charge and be independent, but you can do those things with support, with help. Let someone come and make you food. Let someone come and hold your baby so you can nap. Let someone come and you know, wash your dishes so that you can go pump so you can induce lactation. Like allow people into your life to help you. Um, don't be afraid of that help. And, and I'm speaking so much to myself right now because I hate asking for help. Really just knowing that it's okay to ask for help. And, and more than that, it's okay to accept help when it's offered. Um, you know, people don't offer help if they don't mean it. They're not going to come tell you like, let me come do this for you. If they don't mean it, so let them do it. You know, I know that personally, I love helping other people. And yet some, for some reason, I have such a hard time letting people help me. And so when we realize that help is this interchangeable, it's, it's all part of community. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that's just really what it comes down to is, is accepting help and accepting community. Yeah, I love that. I think community is so so important. And like you said, no one was made to walk this, you know, earth alone and do things alone. You know, it's great to have community and there's definitely, you know, there's no weakness in asking for help or having that support. So I think that's amazing advice. So for anyone listening right now that either wants to follow more of your journey or wants to hear more, where can everyone find you on Instagram or wherever else? 
uh, on Instagram, I'm Montse1633. And then on Facebook, we have our adoption page, which really is more of a blog now. Uh, where we just we do a lot of adoption education on there um, so that people just understand a lot that we didn't know going into it. Uh, we're really passionate about making sure that people understand the intricacies of adoption language and uh, what that looks like. Uh, so on Facebook, we're at Termarsh Adoption. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll put those all those links below in the show notes as well so people can check it out as well. But this was an awesome episode and thank you for sharing your story with us and just being vulnerable in the process and everything that you've kind of gone through and come out really strong with. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to continuing to follow the journey of, of Mommy Knows Best and Mom Talks with Krista. Thanks for listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast. For more information about this show, past shows, or to check out our YouTube channel, please see our show notes. If you loved the show, please share it with your mom tribe. The bigger, the better. Thanks for listening and have a great day.